Praise the Lord. Somebody shout amen. amen. So good to see Julie with us today. I see her coming back in. She had surgery this past week, so we're good to see you in the house of the Lord. I'm Brother Duncan, good to have you back with us. Uh, I see also Brother Paul, was, um, and Pauline weren't feeling well Wednesday. Good to have you back with us, and um, pray for continued healing for you guys as well. <sighs> Praise the Lord. I'm ready to, to minister to us today. I hope that by the time we get finished that we can leave this place saying it was good to be in the house of the Lord. That's what my desire is every time I come to church is to leave blessed and to leave learning something, growing from something. And I believe that's going to happen for us today. I believe God's going to have his hand on the service today. We're going to be going to, um, I have a title here, Church Growth or Church Health. And I just want to take my time here and try to get through this uh, if I could. Uh, it's a question. By the end, I'm going to answer it. And we're going to be going to Acts chapter 2 here in just, just a minute. Uh, I don't know about you, but I desire a move of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm going to tell you, I need God to do something special in my life. I'm tired of just regular church, regular casual Christianity. I want the Holy Spirit to consume me. I want Him to take over every part of my being, from my head to my feet, from the things I say, the places I go. I want the Holy Ghost to have full control of me. I want the Holy Spirit to have full control of this church because until God gets full control of us, then brothers and sisters, we are limiting what God is able to do in our midst. I'm concerned today that there has been too much emphasis that is put on church growth instead of church health. Now, I want you to make no mistake about it today that church growth, we need it. I want everybody to hear me very, very loud and clear. It has always been God's will to grow His church. Ever since the beginning of the church in the book of Acts chapter 2 after Pentecost happened, it has always been God's will and desire to grow His church. And I'm talking about numerically. Because the more people we have, the more people we can minister to. The more people we have, the more people that get to hear what I'm preaching today, the good news of Jesus Christ. I would to, to God today that this building was slam packed. I really do. Because what that tells us, not that I'm not grateful for who's here, because I am, but there's so many other people that could hear the word of the Lord today. But I want you to understand that every large church is not necessarily a healthy church. In other words, you can grow in numbers and you can have a building that's packed, but be spiritually dead. And I think so often in America that we have fallen short of this. We've had our growth conferences. We've talked about growing numerically. But I'm afraid that so often we have failed to, to mention the most vital part. And that is that while we grow numerically, we better make sure that we're growing spiritually. Because church growth is more than just a number. You have no real church growth unless people are growing. It is my desire to see people in this house grow spiritually. The reason we come to church is to grow spiritually. If we come to church and we're not growing spiritually, sure, we can blame it on the pastor. We can blame it on other leaders. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you the way it is. If the leaders and the pastor are preaching the Word of God, it is your responsibility for your spiritual growth. 
All that the pastor does, all that leaders do is they preach what God has already said to us. It is my response, even as a pastor, it is my responsibility as a personal servant of Jesus Christ. My relationship with God will go no further than I allow it to go. All we can do is preach the word, sow the seed, and then God gives the increase. How many of you in this house today said, Pastor, I really want to grow. I want to get closer to God. I want to go to a place with God that I've never been before. I am hungry for another move of glory in my generation. Verse 41. We're going to go verse by verse. I may do it a little different this morning, but, but that's going to be all, all right. Verse 40. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. This is the starting of the church. This is uh, Peter as he's preaching. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000. Somebody say 3,000. I want to make sure you don't miss this point in the sermon. 3,000 souls were added to them or they were saved. I want to say something. The first priority of church growth is the salvation of souls. If we miss out on that mission, we have missed out on the mission that God has given the church. If the only reason we have a church is to cater to our needs and to come to church to get our gas tank filled, and that's exactly what it's for, for the believers. But if that's the only reason we have a church, we have missed our calling. We have missed our mission because the Great Commission was very point blank to the, to the point Jesus said, go into all the world and preach this gospel to who? To the lost. See, the Pharisees had a problem with Jesus when he healed a sick man on the Sabbath day. Said, how can you do this? And Jesus says, listen, those that are well don't have need of a physician. It is those that are sick. And for this reason, I came into the world. What I'm telling you is, God, would you consume me in 2020? This is my first sermon in 2020, by the way, uh, for you guys on a Sunday morning. Consume us in 2020, God. That The salvation of souls, it literally consumes us. Get us to the place that we say, God, we want you to grow our church, not with other church members. Sure, there's other people that eventually will come from other churches because God's leading them out of where they are. That's well and fine. We'll receive them with open arms. We will not proselyte them, but we will welcome them into the Gap Hill Church of God as long as their intentions is to grow the kingdom of God and not cause division. They are more than welcome to be a part of this flock. Can I get an amen from somebody? But what I'm telling you is when we think about church growth, what I want to see is people that don't have a church. I want to see them come through our doors. I want people in Six Mile, South Carolina that do not know Jesus Christ to come through those doors and to receive Him as their Lord and Savior. This is what God intends for Gap Hill Church of God is to win the loss. It is the number one priority in church growth. It's not about another program. It is about getting people to Jesus Christ. There, there's times that we must figure out what's working, what isn't working, and we make a necessary change. I went to a growth conference a while back. It was, uh, it's been several years back, and I will never forget the pastor there who was giving a story, and he talks, I think it was a children's leader that was in their church, and it just wasn't working out. And he took this lady that was working in another area of the church, wasn't even with the children, 
makes a shift in them, says, man, we just got to make a change. They make the change. He said it was a difficult transition, but after the change took place, that massive growth took place because it was just time for a change. See, I'm telling you, folks, we need to understand that the way we did church 50 years ago isn't the way they're doing church nowadays. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, we are living in a different generation. I was meeting with people today, this morning. It's a busy day for pastor. I got meetings before church. I got meetings after church. We got service tonight. So it's a busy day for me. But as we were talking in there, and the thing that bothers me is that we are growing up in a church age to where we have got pacifiers. In other words, we are catering to people's needs. What can we do to you for you to get you to come to our church? Uh, let's make sure we're meeting your needs. It's a different day than what we used to live in. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Used to, you came to church not because of a youth program, a children's program. A matter of fact, the only children's program that I ever had when I was coming up in church was you sit your butt on the pew and you listen to the pastor preach and if you don't do that you're going to get a belt on your butt before this service is over and when you get home does anybody know what I'm talking about that's the kind of church I grew up somebody said pastor you against children's programs no I'm not against children's program but that's why I went, since I've been here we started a fifth Sunday on Sunday morning and we want our kids in church with us do you know why because the first thing I said when I came in here was I want to see our kids worshiping with us in the church that's why a fifth Sunday we do that and our kids they help sing they help take up the offering do all kinds of things because I'm telling you it is important that they see us worship in the house of God do you understand what I'm telling you God is still growing his church but it does not mean that everything that we did back then is going to work all the methodologies all the way of doing things I understand that times have changed but I also understand that God has never changed he's the same yesterday today and forever I change not but we know as leaders that there come things that we have to change, whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, whether we think that it's a, a, a immature or not. The age that we live in, people want something for their group. They want something for their children. They want something. So what do we do? We get children's ministries directors. We get youth leaders, and, and we cater, and we give them what they're asking for. But I'm afraid that so often we are missing out on the most important thing, and that is growing people spiritually what I'm telling you is we can cater to people's needs we can give them what they want and all the while they're no closer to Jesus than they were before they came and that is the fear that I have for the modern church it is time for us to get back to the Bible basics and to teach the word of God not only to our adults not to just segregate but to get it to our children too we've got to get the word of God in them a matter of fact some of the best things that I remember as a kid was old dear old sister Bernice used to hear sister Bernice shout in the church on our old wood floors I remember that my memories of church yesteryear was those old saints I enjoyed I was telling this morning I enjoyed sitting and talking with the old saints of God. I loved it. I loved hearing stories. It encouraged me as a young kid. And then in my teenage years, it encouraged me. I would sit with the elders. I remember Sister Ganey, Vernell was her name, and Vernell raised her husband from the dead whenever he died. I remember hearing that story many times, sitting on the third pew. She was on the fourth. I would turn around and say, Sister Ganey, would you tell me about that story one more time? And she'd tell me, man, you're talking about encouraging me as a kid. It, it developed a hunger in me for God. But when they 
gave the altar call, guess where Jimmy Purdue was? He was on the altar. God help us that in our quest to grow our churches numerically, that we don't forget to grow them spiritually. Because if we miss out on the spiritual part of this thing, ladies and gentlemen, we've missed it all. See, there's some keynotes to the salvation that, that, that Peter sees. First off, the Bible said he testified. Can I tell you that most people get saved because of a testimony? Can I go ahead and tell you that? Churches grow because of people. Churches grow because of members. I want you to hear me very well. The pastor does not grow the church. I want you to listen very, very closely here. The pastor does his part, does his job. But at the end of the day, if a church is going to grow, it is going to be the members in that local body that grow that church. It's not the pastor. Because the pastor doesn't have connections like you do. You get a new, let's say you get a new pastor. He's from Pennsylvania. He ain't never met anybody up in South Carolina. How do you expect him to grow a church? He can't do it. He don't know anybody. But you know your family, you know your friends, you know your relative, you know that guy that you go to the store and see every day and say hi to and Bob doesn't go to church, you know him. So that is why members grow church. As a matter of fact, it has been said that sheep beget sheep. And that is God's intention for the church. It is for us as individual Christians to grow His church. We have so often placed it on leaders and we place it on pastors and thinking, well, if they would do their job better, the church would grow. That's not true. I've been in churches with, I, am I being recorded? I guess I am. I've been in churches with not the best pastors, but let me tell you something. They had a booming church. You know why? Because of the people that were sitting on the pews. What I'm telling you, Gap Peel, is this. While pastors and leaders do their part, I believe the real grit and grind is right there on the seats today. You are the one. Because let me tell you something. Let me tell you. Pastors are going to come and go. There is just going to happen. How many pastors have y'all had? Y'all got a hall of fame here. Nobody won't put my picture up yet. They tell me that whenever they put the picture up that you leave. So I'm just waiting. When y'all put it up, I'll know it's time for me to go. All right? That's what I was told anyhow. They got that all, they've got all these preachers up here. Let me tell you something. It's proof that pastors come and go. Some of them, oh, they didn't leave to go to another church. Some of them died, all right? They're dead now. They were Jesus Christ. They're not going to live forever. The pastor that started this church isn't with us anymore. I'm telling you, they go on to be with Jesus. But this church, it keeps going on. And so what I'm telling you is that when pastors and leaders change and when they go or they die and they leave us whatever way it is, you're still sitting on the pew. That is why it is so important as members that we take responsibility and say this is my church. This is my church. And I'm going to go here till the day I die. I'm committed to Gap Hill Church of God. If that is you, then you are the person that God is looking for that's going to grow this church. You're the one. You're the one. And if you love your church as much as you say, it's not hard to sell it to people that it's the best church in the world. Because if you believe it in your heart, buddy, you can make somebody else believe it. You get saved by testimony. The Bible said they started testifying. When they heard these members start testifying, they said to themselves, i got to get saved. He preaches a message. He gives an altar call. He baptized that day. The Bible said that three... Th can you imagine... If we filled that uh, water in that baptismal pool today, and I had to baptize 3,000 people, can anybody imagine how long that would take? 
I'd get tired and just tell them when you walk in, just do like this, and I'll just bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and keep walking through. I ain't even going to touch you. No touching baptism. I mean, 3,000 people that day. He's dunking them under the water. Listen to me. Verse 42, let's go. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. The word steadfast means to be earnest towards a thing. It means to persevere, to keep going. The first thing the Bible said, and you can leave it up there, Chevy, verse 42. The first thing that it says is that they were steadfast in their doctrine. That is what they preach. We must never forget who we are and who we are is defined by what we believe. And the thing that I like about these converts is when they got saved, they actually got saved. When, when they got saved, they started living right. In our quest to grow our churches, if you want to be saved, just lift your hand. Alright, say Jesus come into my heart. Amen. Alright guys, y'all have a good day. We had 500 people saved today. Those people go out into the world. They live just like the same devil they did before they came in and raised their hand. All they got was caught up in an emotional stigma. And they lifted their hands because they felt a little something blow over their soul. And so they said, yeah, I'm going to be saved today. But their life was never changed. How many of you remember the days when somebody came to the altar, they got saved? Has anybody ever seen somebody pull out a pack of cigarettes and shout on them at the altar, stomp them? Anybody ever seen that? I have. Anybody ever seen anybody bring a magazine? Yeah, it was a dirty magazine. Threw it on the altar, stomped all over it. The pastor hurried up and picked it up and ran it to the trash can. Yeah. I've been there. I've done that. How many of you had a good old-fashioned bonfire and they'd be bringing all kinds of stuff? Oh my God, have mercy. I would have never thought Billy had that. And they just toss it in the fire as you watch it burn. And everybody shouts around the fire because God has set another one that was bound by Satan free. Does anybody in this house know what I'm talking about? Or am I speaking a foreign language today to you? What I'm telling you is there was a day when people came to the altar. They got saved, brother. They didn't need somebody to take them to a back room to tell them you got to quit your drinking so that you can be saved. When they got saved, they quit their drinking. They didn't have to go to the back and say them cigarettes are going to kill you. You're the temple of God. You need to quit that. They laid them on the altar and they repented and they walked away a changed man. What I'm telling you is that when revival comes, we don't have to get people a definition of rules how to be saved. When the Spirit hits them the right way like it did on the day of Pentecost, they give up their sin and brother, somebody ought to shout hallelujah. God help Pastor Jimmy today. What I'm telling you is we need to make sure in our quest to grow that we're really being changed. Because we can get people to say they got saved and have no true conversion and grow our church numerically and miss out on the main thing. I got to hurry. They were steadfast in their fellowship. That's the breaking of bread. It means to bring them closer together. It's their fellowship. The Greek word here means to commune or to come together. It's so important. Like with our connect groups, and we have ages that we often put together. It is in those moments that these people come together. Can I tell you that the importance of small groups, and when I say small groups or connect groups, whatever you want to call them, the importance is when you get, as a pastor, sometimes you don't get to talk to people. If, if if the only time you see people is on Sunday morning, you really don't get to know them too well. But I'll give you a prime example. Uh, Janice a while back had a uh, connect group class, uh, a, a meeting, an out, outdoor event, had at her house. And I got up in there and I was able to talk to some of our newer 
people that have been coming to the church. I really hadn't had a, a real good time with them alone. And I got over there by the pool just a casual day. Just a, a drink in hand. And no, it wasn't beer. We, we had, you know, Diet Coke. And I get over there and I get to talking to this guy. I learned a lot about him. He served in the army. And I learned all these things that, that I wasn't even privy to. And we began to talk. We began to build a relationship. So now when I see him, you know, it's a high five relationship. Because in that small group, we built a connection together. The disciples said, what we need to do is to get these people together. We need to be more than just Sunday friends. We need to get to the place that we are connected. We are in this small group. We commune together. We literally brought break bread together. We grow together. Not only that, they're steadfast in prayer and in fasting. Can I say something here? And it, it's a shame. We would be more productive to come together on a Wednesday night and pray for an hour than to have another service. Can I just say it that way? Can, can I say it that way? Because what we are missing out on, folks, and I'm telling you, it is troubling me it is, it's getting to the place now that it's just irritating me. And it's not just us. It's the church world in general. It's just irritating me because we are getting further and further away from the spiritual side of church growth. And it bothers me. It bothers me. We have our services three times a week, but it ain't getting us no closer to Jesus. We're listening to the same preachers preach another message, just a different title. It ain't getting us no closer to Jesus. Every now and then, it'll hit the heart. And somebody will say, man, that really hit me right there. I'm going to change my ways. But at the end of the day, the personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it just doesn't seem to be developing. God help us to get back to a place of hungering and thirsting after the true righteousness of God. Because if we could get back to that place, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled my God help us to get this hunger for God but the truth of the matter is that if we go too spiritual our crowds would drop off so fast we wouldn't even have a church we wouldn't we shoot fireworks on July 4th we can pack the house out baby let's talk about coming together and having a solemn assembly where's everybody at what I'm telling you, we have gotten further and further away in our quest to grow the church. And that's all well and good. But I'm afraid we've got to worry about the health of our church too. Do you see what I'm saying? Is everybody with me today? In verse 43, Then fear came upon every soul, and, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. The new trend that we see in our churches today, has anybody heard of the seeker-sensitive church? What seeker sensitive means and they concern me it means a church service that you can come to you can enjoy you can feel motivated all right you can get a pat on the head speech and, and everybody leaves feeling good about themselves but in the seeker sense of church there is never anything offensive it, you can't preach anything offensive because if you do that you can't grow your church I, I want to recant that with the Holy Word of God. Matthew chapter 11, verse 4 through 6. It said, Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk. I mean, this is revival. The lepers are cleansed. Uh, he says, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up. The poor had the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Go to my next verse. i got to go. Uh, Matthew 10, 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. 
Anybody want to explain that scripture? All that I can tell you, according to Hebrews, the Bible said that the Word of God is like a sharp two-edged sword that it pierces into the heart of man. What Jesus is trying to tell us here is I come to stir the church up. I come to church, stir up the religious crowd. I, he had the Pharisees so stirred up they wanted to kill him. They were angry. Their blood pressure went up. I guarantee you the doctors were prescribing blood pressure medicines and remedies more when Jesus came than any other time in their history because Jesus stirred them up. He said, when I come, I've come to bring a sword. He preached the word rightly divided with truth. He did not cut corners. He said it the way it was. He talked about about a place called hell. And he told them that unless they repented from their sin, they would end up in a place called hell. But guess what the message was to John? Jesus wasn't seeker friendly, seeker sensitive. Jesus was very offensive. The message that he preached offended people. The words that he used made people upset and angry and uncomfortable. Jesus' church is going to die, isn't it? No, sir. He said, you go tell John we've been having the biggest revival that this world has ever seen. There's dead people that are getting out of their caskets. There's people that couldn't see. They're starting to see. There's people that have never heard Jesus' name out loud because they were deaf, but they're hearing it now. You go tell John that there's a revival breaking out and it's offending some people, but the church is still growing. And I'm here to tell somebody today that I still believe that you can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church can still grow. Oh, God. All right, all right, here we go. So according to the Bible that I read, the gospel is supposed to stir things up. The early apostles were literally run out of town for preaching the gospel, but the church grew. When Jesus cast 2,000 demons out into the swine, they said Jesus get out of our town but the church was still growing. There are still churches that are bursting at the seam as they preach the word of God. Somebody says we cannot grow until we stop preaching the Bible. It's a lie from hell. The truth still sets men free and there's still a generation that wants to hear the truth. So when you get ready to witness somebody and they start asking you questions about your beliefs, don't sit there and beat around the bush. Tell them what the Word of God says. The Word of God still works, ladies and gentlemen. And if we're going to grow a church, and if the only way to do it is because we're going to be sensitive to everybody's needs and feelings, then I don't want to grow a church that way anyhow. I'd rather get the people we got ready to meet Jesus and get them spiritually on top of the mountain. Are you hearing what I'm preaching to you today? But I'm telling you, it doesn't take that. The gospel works. The Bible says that during this time of this revival, it's offensive. Apostle Peter gets up. You can read his sermon. I'm not going to read all of it for you. But the Bible says he preached to them, told them, you're the ones that crucified Jesus. It was not an easy sermon to hear but during this time, signs and wonders are taking place. The word signs means an indication of the supernatural. That means supernatural things start happening on the earth. If you want to grow a church, I believe if we could get back to these days, I believe we wouldn't have to worry about it. 
people would already come ready to receive what God has for them. If we could get spiritual enough. If we could get to the place that we were seriously spiritual. I'm talking growing in our faith. If we would get to that place and miracles start happening, great things start taking place, not only are souls saved, but there's reports of healing. There's things that are going on. I believe the church will grow. The Bible said that during this time there were literally wonders that were going on. It means of uncertain affinity. It means a prodigy or an omen. To break that down, the word affinity means uncertain similarities. In other words, it is never the same. It is spontaneous. God help us to develop a church that when we come to the house of God, we may have an order of service, but we allow the Spirit to take control. Let all things be done decently and in order. But if His Spirit in an orderly fashion wants to take control, then God by all means let it happen. Not only that, but a prodigy means an amazing or unusual thing, especially one that is out of the ordinary. How many of you have heard of a funeral procession where the preacher got up to do the funeral service and said, Rise up and walk, George! I'm going to be honest with you. I've never had that much faith. I'm just going to go ahead and just admit it right here on stage. I wish to God I did. I never have. In Jesus' day, there are signs and wonders because they were willing to step out on faith and just trust that God could do it. Peter can't walk on water. Is he a crazy man? But with faith, because he believed, he steps out and he does something that's unnatural. He does something spontaneous. It is moving with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit as He feels this. God calling Him to Him. He is walking on the water. He's not supposed to do this. This is unusual. It's out of the ordinary. But with faith it happens. And then there's prophetic significance which is an omen which means that there's a last day revival. That when God starts moving there's a prophetic significance to that. Can I tell you that while there's many we've preached doom and gloom and it's not going to get any better. Do you believe this with me today? That if God's people would just turn from their wicked ways and call on God like Chronicle said that God would hear from heaven He would forgive their sins he would heal their land. There is no stipulation. And i got to hurry. There is no stipulation on the time frame. It doesn't matter if it's in the beginning, in the middle, or if it is at the end of time. When a group of people fall in love with Jesus and they pray for the supernatural to happen, God said, I'm going to show up in that little town. I'm going to show up in that little church. And I'm going to do things that people never dreamed possible. That is how the church grew. i got to close. Come on to the piano. I'm, I'm going to start closing here. Verse 44. Let's, let's, let's move on to 44 here. Now all who believed were together, had all things in common, and sold their possessions and good, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, they broke bread from house to house, ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being Saved. There's some characteristics to the church. Number one, they have unity. Now all who believed were together. 
There's no cliques. There's no segregation. There's no, this is my group. That's your group. They had all things in common. They came to the house of God. They worshiped together. Continuing daily. It's a daily walk with God. Continuing daily with one accord in the temple. They have one purpose. God is not going to send sinners to hurting people. And hurting people in the churches that are filled with strife and division and confusion. Where God wants to send churches. People that are hurting are those churches that are kingdom minded. Those churches that think bigger than just themselves. When somebody new walks in the church doors. We ought to make it a point to shake their hand. To tell them we love them. We're so glad to see them today. Hallelujah. Shout now forever hold your peace. New person walk up in the church, sit down in the pew, ain't never met nobody today from Pennsylvania up there. I don't know what's up with Pennsylvania today, but there's something going on up there. They from Pennsylvania, something prophetic here. They're from Pennsylvania. They come sit on our church pews. They ain't never met nobody. All right. They just got a new job. Don't even know who their boss is. They go in Monday. They come sit on our church pews, the place that they're to be accepted. We just walk right by them like we ain't even seen them. God forgive us. God forgive us. Because that ain't the way you grow a church. You grow a church through the love of God. We don't wait for them to get in our clique. We don't wait for them to come to our group. We go to them. See, see can, can, I, can I close with this thought? Let, let me show you this right here. In the small group, it was said that people are more likely to come to a house for a Bible study than they were to come to a church. Can, can I just make a point about Jesus? Jesus didn't wait for sinners to come to Him. He went and got them. Jesus preached in the synagogue many times. But that's not the only place He preached. He went to their houses. <laughs> I was reading my Bible the other day, and uh, a couple days ago, and as I was reading it, Jesus went into the house of the synagogue, or, or, or out of the synagogue. He went to a house, I think it was Simon's house or whatever. And when He gets there, there's Pharisees that are sitting there. And in the translation I was reading, I think the King James Version said, basically, who is this man? He eats with sinners. In this version, it said, What are you doing eating with such scum? <laughs> the low lives. I'm afraid sometimes we can make new people feel like they're just the outsiders. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus catered to the outsiders. He made sure that even though the religious people with their name tags and all of their title, He would walk by them and go to the prostitute and introduce her to the gospel of Jesus Christ before He'd go eat in the house of an old Pharisee. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Sometimes we got to be willing to go to that person and let them know that we love them. we got to go after them. we got to go after them. We don't grow a church just because people ride by and say a lot the way the outside looked. Because you could find a thousand churches that look like the outside of our church. We got a steeple. There's a pile of churches with a steeple. We got a brick church. There's a pile of brick churches. There's nothing 
that people see on the outside that says, I got to go to that church. But it's not necessarily what's on the outside that matters. It's about what's on the inside. So how do I get that sinner that passes by that doesn't think we're any different than any other church to come to our church? I go get them. I go after them. And I'd say, if you could only know what God's doing on the inside of that place. If you could only feel what I felt last Sunday. If, if, you, if, you, if you could only hear that choir sing, my God. I had tears running down my face. Holy Spirit, bless me. You ought to come. Alright. The Bible said they were praising God. A healthy church is a praising church. They had favor with the people. Favor meaning a kind or helpful act that you do for someone. That's what the church is for anyhow, am I right? In that kind of environment, as we all stand and I close, the Lord added to the church, not on a Sunday-to-Sunday basis, because they weren't waiting for them to get the church to get them to Jesus. Jesus is mobile, folks. We treat Jesus like the only place that people can meet Him is if we can just get them to come to church, they can meet Jesus. Can I tell you, Jesus is omnipresent, which means He is everywhere at one time. He's not bound by time or by space or by matter. He just shows up everywhere. So what I'm telling you is that if God can save them in the church, God can save them in Walmart. The job that we have on our shoulders, the responsibility is to get people to Jesus. And ultimately, in that environment, we can grow our church numerically. But do we have to have one or the other today? Do, do, do we have to take a pick and say, well, we're going to be a church growth numerically. We're going to grow numerically. That's all we can do. Or are we going to say, you know what? Let's be a healthy church. Let's just keep our little fish in our pond and we'll just, you know, our four no more and we'll just get ready for Jesus to come. The answer to the question is this. That we can have both of them simultaneously operating at the same time. While people are growing numerically and coming in, we are growing people spiritually. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? But we cannot, we cannot say, you know what? We're just going to do away with one in order to have the other. We need to say it this way. If we can't have both of them, we don't want either of them. Because I'm telling you, when done right, both of these go hand in hand. Numbers and spirit and health. Can we bow our heads and pray? Father, oh my God Almighty, thank You, Lord. Thank You for Your Word today. Thank You for giving me the strength to preach this Word today. Father, my prayer for our church is that we would grow. My prayer is, God, that we would not be satisfied. That we would not be satisfied with our clique. That we would not be satisfied with our little group. Help us never fall into the mentality that we don't want anybody else in it. My God. Help us never get to the place that we say we're fine just the way we are. I beg you by the grace of God. Make us kingdom minded. Get us to the place that our only goal is not just to grow this church. And get people here. Even though we want to do that. I'm asking you to get our hearts right to where we're kingdom minded. 
when we're kingdom minded, all we're worried about is getting people to heaven. Getting people to Jesus. That's all that matters. Whether they go to my church or the church down the road, kingdom minded people say, I just want to help get you to Jesus. That's all. Father, if we'll do it the right way, I believe all of these things are possible for Gap Hill Church of God today. So as I've challenged us today, I am asking you, Father, the seed that I've planted. I've watered it today. I've saturated it as best I can. I'm asking you to give the increase and give us a hunger for God like we've never had before. In Jesus' name. Amen. We love you. God bless you all. See you tonight at 6 o'clock for Sunday school meeting. I will meet you in just a few moments. God bless you is our prayer.